Hello, thanks so much for tuning in. I'm Anna Loder from readabook.com.au. I'm a lifelong reader and book lover and a long-time book club member. 15 years, I can't believe it. I've been a bookseller for 13 and now I'm a reviewer and blogger. This is a weekly podcast celebrating that love of books and reading. I'm so excited to be in your ears today. Before we get started, can I quickly pay my respects to the Darawal people of the Uyora Nation, the traditional custodians of the land on which I work, play, read and live on. Along with the traditional owners of the lands throughout Australia, I pay my respects to the elders past, present and emerging. Let's get started. Today I get to speak with best-selling author Lisa Ireland. I love her work. I love fiction or contemporary women's fiction. I love her historical women's fiction. I absolutely loved The Secret Life of Shirley Sullivan. I wasn't expecting any any book to top that one for me. But, oh my goodness, I absolutely love, love, loved The One and Only Dolly Jamison. I just loved everything about it. I loved the exploration of homelessness in older women. I loved the exploration of female friendship. I loved seeing the life on the stage in the 60s and 70s and it was a a delight to chat with Lisa the previous time that she came on and I'm really excited to speak with her today so can't wait to get started. Hi Anna. Hello Lisa how are you? I'm good thanks. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Oh I just loved Dolly. This is a real treat thank you. Oh thank you for saying that it's always nerve-wracking when the book first comes out and it put all this effort into it will people actually like it so so good. (laughs) I bet so far so great. I think she's (laughs) been my favorite character of yours so far. I just loved her so much. Thank you. So I won't talk too much about homelessness because I don't think that's fair although what a great issue to have written a book about. Thank you so much. Oh, it's it's really interesting because I had a radio interview yesterday where the host did focus on homelessness. Lovely, but he kept Mm. asking about young people and homelessness Mm -hmm. and I was saying to him, well, yes, and that is a terrible problem. But this problem of older women being homeless is almost hidden and they're the biggest growing demographic. Yes. So it's a really scary prospect. And through Dolly's story, it really shows, gosh, there but for the grace of God, it's just great how easy it can all happen. I'm glad you said that. That was, the, I guess, the message is that none of us are immune to it. And that's what I was trying to get across Mm. in that we should show a little kindness because Mm -hmm. it could be me or you or someone you went to school with or I guess don't judge yeah, <laughs> when you ab- there's a story behind that person yes so. absolutely I thought that the one and only Dolly Jamison did that just so beautifully I have some experience of it at the shop you'd often see unfortunately homeless people and I think you said it in your acknowledgements but just they're not invisible give them the space give them the time have a little chat you don't have to give them hundreds of dollars was the inspiration behind it was a woman saying that to me that when I was standing outside that shop talking to her while my husband was shopping and it was late and it was cold and she was reading under the awning. It was a supermarket and so, you know, they're lit from the outside and she was sitting with all her stuff and reading a Beth O'Leary novel and I oh. started talking. Yeah. And I'd read it and so we started talking about it and that was, she said to me, thanks so much for talking to me because people just look straight through me. And that was the seed of the idea for the book there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't know that then, but 
over time that sort of that kernel grew from that oh I just think that's just it's so beautiful and it's the highest growing demographic of homelessness for me Dolly has just done a perfect job at really highlighting that fact it was just so well done and just also I think your story really showed when I look at homeless people I don't look at their lack of possessions I think your book did a perfect job at how they lose their precious memories yes I guess so and I think back on the judgment thing too Mm. is we think that people have always been this way or and exactly that whole idea about memories and not Mm. having might look at someone on the street and think that's who they are and that's who they've always been but they've got a past and they've got a story and sometimes quite a surprising one so absolutely now the other interesting thing that was highlighted through Dolly was the female friendship with her and Jane that was lovely thank you so much someone asked me what's at the heart of all your stories and it wasn't a question I was expecting and I sort of I went oh I'm not really sure they're all really different and then I thought about it and really the heart of all my stories is relationships because I started writing romance so obviously that's the heart of those stories but since I've started writing women's fiction and historical fiction it's really friendship is at the heart Mm. of stories and supporting each other how we do better when we work together yes so you know with Dolly and Jane they've got their opposite ends of the spectrum you know in every way Mm -hmm. there's a big age difference there's a big socioeconomic difference Mm -hmm. and there's even big sort of life difference in the exposure that they've had to things Dolly's been on the stage and she's had this very theatrical life and Jane's led this very middle class mum kind of life yes Dolly doesn't even like Jane's clothes they're too conservative (laughs) very beige she's very critical she loves Jane and she thinks she could be so much nicer looking if she <laughs> so attractive if she just wore some bright colors yeah. <laughs> so, Jane's wearing gorgeous designer clothes but they're all in muted tones I used color to try to differentiate their personalities too Dolly even in her homeless state is very fond of brightness and sparkle mm-hmm. and a little bit yes. of glitter and a little bit of jazz whereas Jane is very contained and conservative so yeah they're very different but I mm-hmm. I want to show how friendship at its heart is about shared values and about kindness not mm-hmm. about the trappings on the outside so yes, yeah yes and that was I just had a lot of fun writing their friendship I really oh, enjoyed it I just had a ball reading this book it was just so delightful especially considering that it really is about homelessness and there's some horrible scenes to read when yes. Dolly is under the the seat I have and a story about the terrible scenes is that I've got a very close relationship with a writer called Tess Woods who you would Love know Tess. Yes, yes. So Tess and I are very good friends. And she often will read my drafts before. She likes uplifting fiction. She's not a big fan of trauma in mm-hmm. fiction. Mm-hmm. And so, so I've written a really uplifting book. You'll like this one. It's really optimistic. And mm. she said, oh, and she was reading it and she's sending me notes as she's reading. And at first she's like, oh, yes, I'm loving this. It's great. And then she gets to, I, I don't know, I can't remember where the scenes are, but she gets to the first sort of really dramatic scene and she said to me oh you didn't warn me about this this is like this is I'm crying this is terrible I'm crying. <laughs> and then I said oh that's okay you're through the worst of it now and then because I you know I'm writing another book yeah. and so I've kind of had forgotten about there are quite a few traumatic scenes in it and the next thing I get another angry text from her saying <laughs> I thought you said that was over 
you've just done this to her. And I'm like, I promise you it'll all come out all right in the end. <laughs> in the end. Oh, but I was crying tears of joy at the end. It was oh, good. all that trauma was so worth it. I think the thing that makes Dolly, I hope, that makes her a memorable character is that she's resilient. Mm-hmm. And even though she's faced with quite a lot of terrible things and traumatic mm-hmm. things, she approaches everything as just a little obstacle to be overcome rather than the end. She does have a few moments where she thinks really quite had enough of this now. This is not great. But she always, you know, takes a deep breath, picks herself up and says, okay, how are we going to sort this out? And that's the thing I love about her is her resilience and her optimism. And and I guess I wanted to show too, because Jane's actually going through her own problems Mm -hmm. and Jane has every comfort under the sun. So Dolly is living on the streets, but Jane lives in essentially a mansion with every mortal comfort Mm -hmm. and that does not provide her with happiness and yet Dolly can find pockets of joy in a nice hot cup of tea and a free cup of tea at the library (laughs) the librarian saves her a cookie or something she's she finds a lot of joy in just everyday life in and small kindnesses that are paid to her so yeah poor Jane I think she pales a bit next to Dolly but Jane's quite a good character herself like she's a kind person who maybe made some mistakes but at her heart is a really really kind and and generous person and I think that's why that makes such a good match absolutely Jane's happy to be the wind beneath somebody else's wings and to be at home cooking for people she's gorgeous I really love her I got Jane to cook all these amazing meals because I can't cook. Well, I can, but I I hate cooking. And and actually a lot of Jane's cooking, Tess who was talking about before, she's a beautiful cook and a beautiful entertainer. And I kind of channeled that, that hostess that just goes above and beyond. So I have to thank Tess. Not all of Jane, but just felt that little entertaining part was based on her. (laughs) I wish I had that skill. Yeah, me too. Cooking's forever going to be a burden for me. I don't enjoy it like Jane. Me. I like to eat. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) I like it when somebody else cooks. It's funny that you mentioned that Tess Wood, the cutting scene is one of the most traumatic images I have ever read. We don't always write what we like to read, but I think you're writing it. Like I'm not a really big fan of trauma. I will read much darker things than Tess for instance, but I always wince at trauma on TV or in books, but I'm happy to go there. And I think ultimately so is she. Uh, she oh, just that's really, what I'm saying. Really like, it's it's it really fascinating that she doesn't like it herself. Yeah, she does but, it so well. But I think even as a reader, like she was teasing me. I do think when you're writing and you know how the story turns out and you're creating it, it's not as traumatic to write as it probably is oh, to read. Right, yeah. For me anyway, I know what the character trajectory is I know that she's going through this because of a particular thing that I want to show and then eventually things will be all right but when you're reading it you don't always know that and at that point I thought that was all that the book was going to be and that was just showing us what it was like for a homeless person on the streets when it's getting colder and when yeah and so you don't know that so it can be quite traumatic as a reader particularly with Dolly I wanted to infuse humor into the book as well to give readers a break 
like there'll be quite a dark scene but then even in the dark scenes I, I try and slide a little bit of humor in and then build towards a more humorous and lighter scene so yes. that it's done not that down in the doldrums for too long yeah. I don't want to gloss over homelessness I thought if I was going to write about it it's a really serious issue and it, mm-hmm. it's important that people understand that it's not all fun and games and so I wanted to show that and make people really feel something but I didn't want them to be drowning down there and then trying to swim back up to the absolutely to the in the hopelessness of it all I do sort of plumb the depths but I hope that I bring that reader back up into the sunshine pretty quickly oh hopefully. absolutely yes and the way that her life on the stage was just a delight ah oh. that's another funny story I get to say this but I don't actually like musical theatre. I'm not a fan of it. And I love theatre and I love music. I go to live theatre. And I'm not saying no musical theatre, but I'm not a huge fan. I'm not someone that's going to go out to the next production, no matter what it is. I'm very choosy about what I see. Oh, uh, you're like and my I, sister. She's like, why are they just bursting into song? Like, that's exactly, exactly <laughs> my problem with it. I'm not that person. And I tried to make the character something else. When I started to write the she kept coming through as this dancing singing performing person that had been on the stage and I was like maybe she's a star of tv I can cope with that I tried to give her kept trying to steer her in a different direction but she wouldn't have it she was like no this is who I am I'm on the stage and live with it and it was so funny because another author another friend of mine Kelly Rimmer is a big fan of musicals and she was convinced that once I did the research because I had to do a lot of of research obviously yes so she said once you do the research you are going to fall in love with musicals and musical theater and then think of all the things we'll be able to go to together and she got so excited <laughs> I didn't fall in love I you tried fallen in love yet <laughs> and I appreciate musical theater a lot more than I did and I've gone to a bit more musical theater and understand the merits of it it's just not for me <laughs> Dolly would not be amused with that. No. (laughs) But yeah, there you go. Although she might think that she was just a better class of person because she does. In the book, Dolly hangs out at the library for the warmth through the day and the free cup of teas. I have a friend who's a librarian and I know that homeless people do hang out there. They really do fulfil a role for the homeless people in society, don't they? I knew this before I started. I didn't really know just how much of a role. And it's funny, yesterday I was at my local library. I was actually standing out the front of the library. We've got a beautiful library here. I live near Sale. So my little town has a, a smaller branch but I was in the big town at the big branch new building and there's an art gallery and I'd just taken my friend to the art gallery he'd gone off to get a drink or something and I was just standing there waiting for him and there was a young teenager at the front desk of the library and he was having some sort of crisis and he was crying and swearing and he was obviously distressed my immediate response was to just rush in and help him but I didn't need to because the library staff were taking care of it but yes libraries uh, as a public service are uh, utterly am- amazing and yeah. those librarians are not just dealing with books they deal with people and, and people in crisis and I take yeah. my hat off yeah they're a beautiful institution aren't they there's just there's nothing that they don't do libraries are my favorite place in the world I was shocked and amazed when I read the acknowledgements that she was a hard character for you to write because she was just a dream to read she's 
so 3D. It wasn't the character. So the previous book, which was The Secret Life of Shirley Sullivan, that was a dream and I was really lucky. Maybe you only get one of those books in a lifetime. Not that the end product is any better or any worse than any of the other books. It was just easier to write. For some reason, that book just fell onto the page and it was not difficult to write at all. Dolly, the character was easy to write, but so it's all told from Dolly's point of view. In the final book that's on the shelf today, it's all told from Dolly's point of view. Mm -hmm. But in the first draft, it was told half from Jane's point of view and half from Dolly's point of view. It was almost like four different points of view because you had Dolly in the present, Mm -hmm. Dolly in the past, Jane in the present, and some scenes from Jane's past. So it was like four competing points of view. And when I submitted it to my publisher, she said to me, I love Dolly. This is She's a fantastic character and one that I really want to see come to life. But she said, I don't think it's working in this format. I wrote it during COVID, during the Melbourne lockdowns. And even though I was fine, like I think just being in that lockdown and all that uncertainty of the world Mm. at the time a little bit of that seeped into my writing and it was quite dark and so there wasn't maybe as much of that lightness that we were talking about before Mm. that allowed readers to kind of have a little bit of a rest between the the trauma so you'd get Dolly's trauma and then you get Jane's trauma and so we workshopped how could we fix that and the idea was let's take Jane's point of view out well, you've got a whole novel, two different people's point of view, and the story didn't change, but I took Jane's point of view out. Well, that was a massive job and it took ages. Mm. It was tricky, but I was so grateful for the feedback and I'm so happy that I did it because I think it's a much better book, a much more readable book for readers than it would have been if I just left Jane's point of view in. You do a wonderful job with the mentoring and shouting out to debut authors like Prince Harry, whose book came out right (laughs) on yours. What a service. Poor Prince Harry coming out on the same day as me. How can that little book that he's written compete with mine? Poor fellow. Oh, oh, dear. oh, yeah, I gave him a bit of a shout-out. I've ever seen. <laughs> Laughed out loud completely. I'll get a bit of a look in now, now I've promoted him. Yeah. Absolutely. You do do a wonderful job with the mentoring. So I think you do it, it seems like full-time. You're constantly... I'm not mentoring at all in February. I'm having a little bit of a break. And I have put Mentor Monday, which is on my Instagram, that's on hiatus at the moment, just in this heavy release period. Oh, where absolutely. I- While you're doing the, all of this type of thing. Thing. you'd have to be stopping that but gosh you do a so wonderful the, job the mental monday takes a bit more time than it than it might appear so it's a, a 10 or a 15 minute piece straight to video and i try and do it in one take so that it feels conversational because that's what it is it's just a conversation every week about writing but sometimes i end up doing more than one take and oh. yes i really think about the topics so it's not just on a monday morning when i turn up to the camera it's all the that's very yeah but the mentoring in terms of mentoring one-on-one I was doing group mentoring as well and I've put that on hiatus at the moment while I'm so busy because that takes a lot of preparation and you're dealing with a lot of people's writing at once and so Mm -hmm. that it's quite intensive so that's also on hiatus at the moment but I'm still doing the one-on-ones because I've got relationships with those writers who have the one-on-ones and I that's the most rewarding thing I've had two of my authors go on to get publishing contracts which is well congratulations to them 
them because it's 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 obviously their work and you know and oh, I know congratulations that congratulations to you as well but yes absolutely. I know that they would have made it with or without me it might have got more quickly I don't know but they're they're very talented but I so love talking to other writers about writing and watching people's confidence develop and their ability develop I work with them for six month periods and some of them come back you know so some people I've been working with for like 18 months now and I get really excited when I see they've started back here and often it's a confidence thing and then they grow and their confidence grows and and the next thing they're submitting to publishers and yeah it's a really exciting lovely job to have it doesn't feel like work but I'm a teacher I came from a teaching background so this it's sort of I've always loved teaching it's kind of the perfect job for me in a a lot of ways get to marry my two loves writing and teaching so I love it I just think you do a wonderful job and as well as oh my goodness your reading couch is so good you know and I so love the whole community there it's such a nice group we started the reading couch it sort of morphed from another group during the lockdowns Sally Hepworth Rachel Johns and I had a group called the secret life of authors mm-hmm. and we did it we couldn't really go out and do events and we couldn't see readers and we all had books coming out and it was also just a way to keep the community connected we had a lot of fun with it but it was really hard to maintain because we've all got different schedules and all got mm-hmm. different publishing schedules and in the end it it was creating extra work for us so but as yeah. part of the secret life of authors we had this thing called a read along and we used to read a book over a two-week period and the readers would check in with us. And that worked really, really, really well, except that it became a lot of work. And once we were out of lockdown, it was harder to maintain. But some readers wanted to keep it going. And so I took just part of that sort of idea and made the reading couch. And so now it's essentially just a book club. It's sort of evolved over time and we do a book a month and and we have recommended reads. But I'm fortunate because I've moved and I moved to a town where there's another writer called Renee. Canolti and Renee comes and sits on my couch with me and we talk about books and it's so much fun and it's a really engaged community and I have <laughs> never touch wood ever had to moderate that community at all I've never had to take oh, down a post we all have different ideas about books yep. but everyone is I've never had any issues everyone's just gorgeous so That's they're my favorite reading people. <laughs> the reading <laughs> I, love, I, I love all readers but they're my, they're my extra favorite you touched on your friendship there with Sally Hempworth and I just wanted to see so you've got a tiny little character in there Clementine is that yes. in reference to Sally's daughter is that yes, actually, I'm gonna have to work Sally's son into a novel now because the the last book in Shirley I had a character called Lou but her real name was Eloise and Eloise doesn't get called Lou either she's never called that but that was for her I think it came just one night that I was there and she said to me put me in your book put me in your book I went okay and so yes so Clem's the next one so now I'm gonna have to squeeze Oscar in somewhere or he'll be actually I don't think Oscar will really care but yeah (laughs) That's where Clementine comes from. I thought so. I did know the story about how Eloise <laughs> in Shirley, and so it was gorgeous to see a Clementine in there too. I feel like I'm on the inside and I know all the jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Other than my kids, they're my favourite kids in the world. I love them. <laughs> they are. And so yes. what are you working on next? 
Well, I'm working on lots of post-its behind you. I see. Actually finished, not finished, finished, but finished to the end of the structural draft. I've written the first draft and then I've done my own structural editor on it. And today, after I've done this interview, I don't have anything else on today. So I'm going to go through it again and then I'm going to send it out to my first readers. So this one is a book that is set in Hollywood in the 1950s. It's also set in Hollywood in the 1990s. So yeah. Actually, I've got a whole heap of scenes in the 1990s in the foothills of the Sierra Nevada mountains. So, oh wow, excellent! Yeah, 1950s and 1990s, just for something different. But I love to complicate life for myself. This one's got four points of views at this stage. Who knows where it will go? (laughs) Three in the 1950s, and then one which is one of the same points of view in the 1990s. So, yeah, it was very complicated to write. If you'd spoken to me last week, you would have heard me cursing about it because oh. I couldn't get it to all meld together. But I think we're getting there now. Wow. Yeah. Well, how exciting. But yeah, four points of view. Oh, Lisa, you whole thing. You know, I've done it before. I've done it in contemporary fiction, but it's a bit tricky when you... Yeah, The Shape of Us has got four, doesn't it? Yep. Yeah. So that has. And that wasn't that complicated, but I think it was a little bit. But it's the two historical timelines that brings in the tricky bits you're trying to get the voice right and the language for the times right and we'll keep working on it (laughs) who knows when it'll be finished finished but we're I'm making progress on it but how fantastic though so you can do the promotion for Dolly as well as working on the next project as well I think I would need you know we all have to that's the life of a published writer I guess is that we're all often working on edits for one book, promoting the current book and also developing either the outline or writing the next book. Some of my friends uh, just amaze me with how many books they manage to get out. Mm. But if you're getting a book out a year, though, which is what a lot of people are doing, the publishing schedule is actually relentless. And I'm not as fast as some other people. Honestly, for the last probably two to three months, I've been working from eight in the morning until midnight every day, seven days a week with very little time off just Mm. to meet those commitments. So I don't mind it. I love what I do and I think most writers do, but it is not... I don't know I think you do it. I'm just awfully glad that you do. Oh, my goodness. Oh, look, I'm not working in the coal mine. It's a very lovely <laughs> job to have. And I'm very grateful to be able to do it. So don't, please don't feel sorry for me. I'm, yeah, yeah, no, it, it is a lot of work and I'm probably more than I anticipated. I think I, I think I thought I'd have this lovely life where I would just sort of write for a few hours a day and go for lovely long walks with my dog. And, oh, you know, I some... picture authors sitting in the shade under a tree just pondering things <laughs> and thinking out characters and... Sometimes that happens, but not as much as we'd like. And I I say that to my mentees when they're getting a little bit frustrated that they've been working on a project for a long time and they're not getting anywhere with it. And I say to them, I know it's hard to appreciate this, but appreciate the time you've got pre-published to luxuriate in the writing because you've got time to make it anything you want. And if something's not working, if you're not working to a deadline or if you're not trying to keep your career going, Mm. you know, that 
momentum going with bringing out books frequently, you've got time to make the story anything you want. And that is the most fun. That's the best part of writing. And unfortunately, when we're pre-published, we don't recognize that because we're focused on that end goal. And so we're worried about published and we don't focus on how lovely it is to be able to be in a story for years if we want to. That is the most fun ever, really. That's why we do it, isn't it? Playing with those words. Yes, absolutely. That's what I get out of reading, just that sitting and pondering and daydreaming and thinking. And so, so thank you very much. Thank you so very much. I cannot believe I got to speak with you. I can't believe this is your second time on the podcast. I can't believe I got to talk to you so quickly. Thank you. Okay, so that's it for this conversation. Thank you so much for joining me. Please leave a review wherever you can, but especially where you found my Readable podcast. If you'd like more connection, please head on over to thereadable.com.au. There's plenty of book reviews and recommendations there, and that's also where you'll find my blog. And I would love, love, love to welcome you into our community. There's a membership page on readable.com.au. There are three levels. The first is free, and I'm so hoping that you would like to help me build my online community where we can enjoy reading more together. Thank you.